I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Martin Bradbury, Regional Director, Financial Services, UK and Ireland for Dynatrace. And we are talking about the cashless society or the lack of cashless society. What's holding us back? I think there's there's a number of things. I think there's concerns around privacy and security. There's a a lack of trust in certain elements of the population around digital banking services and, and, and cashless. And I think, you know, cash is still something that, you know, aspects of our society still value and hold on to and still use very regularly. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a definite set of issues surrounding adoption of cashless for sure, albeit we're seeing reduction in usage of cash for payments, you know, on an annual basis. So I think we're around 15% of payments now currently are cash. That's forecast to be down to around the 6% mark in the next 10 years. Well, you very carefully didn't mention it, but it's a matter of um, a generational divide, perhaps. I think generation is a big part of the issue, for sure. I don't think it's the the only part of the issue. I think, you know, if you think about today probably about, you know statistically 8 million adults rely on cash so that's not just a generational issue it's you know other elements of, of society the, the 1.7 million people in the country that don't have a bank account there's a broad range of issues but i think certainly generation is one of them and i think that is something that you know has to be you know worked on by financial institutions to try and build confidence in you know in in these groups it's all about trust though ultimately we have to trust that the digital payments are going to work and all the digital payments have got to work, whether it's buying a cup of coffee for a couple of pounds or spending thousands on a car or even arranging a mortgage. Every payment has to work. Can we be sure that the digital services are going to do that? Well, uh, yeah, I think there's a really interesting example here, which is if you think of Norway, so Norway is you know, how is the leading light of, of cashless and progress towards cashless society? They're probably about that 6% mark where we expect to be in 10 years. So, you know, significant progress made. However, their government has just started to reintroduce legislation to support consumer rights for consumers to pay in cash, right? And so that's been driven by some quite significant outages that happened in Norway in their payments infrastructure last year. So just before a public holiday, actually around this time last year, they had a complete payments outage on one of their major payments providers, right? And no one could buy any of the the, the bits and pieces they wanted to enjoy their bank holiday. So I think absolutely payment infrastructure is critical, but you know, can we rely upon it 100%? I, you know, I, don't, I don't think we can, right? IT systems inherently have outages. That's you know, it's the speed at which that resolved and the speed at which consumer confidence is restored after them is, is the key thing. Now, hang on a minute. You're in the financial technology business and you're telling me I can't rely on financial technology. I, well, it's not a case of not being able to rely on it. I think it's, it's you know, will can any institution 100% guarantee every single transaction will complete successfully? Fundamentally, you know, I couldn't stand here and say that that's, you know, 100% guarantee because it isn't. What we do know is, you know, payments infrastructure is critical national infrastructure. It's subject to extremely high levels of regulation, oversight and, you know, and technology, you know, infrastructure resilience. But even so, you know, we know that these things don't always work as expected. So how do we 
get around that and how do we get around the trust issue and how do financial institutions get on the front foot and basically persuade us that the systems are safe sound and secure and they're going to work uh, yeah and, and i'll just add to that robin you know the latter part is you know when there is a problem that we can rely on it being dealt with quickly appropriately and proactively right so uh, you know i think fundamentally on the front foot is understanding when you're having a you know an end-to-end view of the digital journeys that are involved in these payment environments and making sure that they know at all times what the performance of those journeys are what the the success rate of those those transactions are and you know being able to identify very early and proactively any potential issues in that space so that's i think that's table stakes you know that's it's regulatory mandated it's it's something that organizations have to have but you know i think some you know are still working towards that end-to-end visibility of the payments journey as we would call it i I think the the second part of that is when there is a problem being able to be proactive about it what i mean by that is we not just kind of sending an email after a big outage to say we're really sorry about that but actually knowing that i have had a specific problem in my interaction with this financial services organization and being able to proactively come back to me and say you know hey martin you didn't complete that payment or we we noticed there was an issue failure is this something we can help you with and actually we've got customers that are using our technology to identify that type of issue where things haven't gone well and you know proactively reach out with you know a voucher for a coffee or something to say hey you know sorry you know we didn't get it right on this occasion here you know here's here's what uh, here's what we can do about it i think the the big problem with some of these issues is you know that you don't really the only way to remediate it is by contacting customer services saying hey i've had a problem and actually i think people are accepting of the fact that your problems occur and, and you know are much more likely to have trust in the organization when that organization is practically reaching out to say hey we can do something about that we know it happened here's what we, we can do to remediate it i understand absolutely what you're saying it's not a case of me thinking there's a problem there are likely let's be brutal, to be problems, it's how that problem is dealt with. Yeah, very, very much so. Quite often, I think in in our interactions with companies that we transact with, you know, on a day-to-day basis or we buy from or we're consumers of, you know, I, I, you know I'm very impressed when I get that proactive level of customer service. And I think that is, that's reassuring to, you know, going back to the, you know, the older generation that, that may be struggling in this space, you know, that kind of reassurance of, yeah, hey, this didn't work out. Can we help you kind of through that process? It goes a long way to building trust. But at the same time, we have to maintain the security of the system. We ha- It's not going to be easy to take, let's stick with the example of the elderly, it's not going to be easy to take an older consumer through all the steps they may need to do under current circumstances. Making that easier is also going to make it less secure, though, isn't it? Not necessarily. We do a lot of work with digital, for customers with digital experience, right? And digital experience is often measured in speed and execution, right? Was it quick and did it work? And actually, those kind of metrics might be relevant for someone that is very comfortable with digital services and has used them for the majority of their, their adult life. I think you know, when we talk about other groups, actually, you know, maybe speed is less of a relevant factor and metric. And actually, it's more about the dwell time on a particular page and you know what was the 
the function in that page explained properly. So I think increasingly organisations will have to think about, I guess it's taking the accessibility kind of concept that, you know, for people that are partially sighted or hard of hearing, and it's kind of taking that into the next level of actually different demographics of digital consumers will potentially a good experience for me won't be you know, a great experience for my my 90 year old next door neighbor you know that that's the concepts i think organizations are going to need to grasp is customizing and adapting these digital journeys to suit the breadth of customer that they have i've put it to some people another way we talk a lot in the financial technology arena about making something friction free or making it faster Sometimes a little bit of friction is useful because it gives people think time. Very much so. Very much so. And, and, and you know, going back to those traditional metrics of, you know, most, a lot of our customers will look at, you know, page load times. They'll look at rage clicks. So, you know, basically the classic impatient kind of click, 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 it's not working right. Whereas I think you're less likely to get that with an older generation person. You're more likely to get them kind of dwell on a page and kind of really want to digest what it's being said and spend more time taking it in so the metric of what's a good experience for that person could be quite different i think being able to adapt that being able to create this kind of concept of a digital experience that's adapted to that person's specific needs or that demographic specific needs i think is really important here and all this is still leading us ultimately towards a cashless society or a society that still has some cash in it but a lot less than we have even now yeah absolutely i mean i think you know the government of in the financial services and markets bill have said you know they, they're protecting access to cash right and it, that it's it's recognition that vulnerable groups are particularly affected by reductions in cash and that they want to you know the government wants to commit it to preserving it but what that really means is the ability to pay in and withdraw which is fine providing you can actually spend it in other places so i think you know, one of the things that was debated in parliament recently was you know should government legislate uh, similar to norway actually the discussion in norway now should they legislate to protect the consumer's ability to pay with cash in you know in retail outlets and, and other such things i think frankly i don't see i don't see any other solution you know i, I don't think we could expect to go 100 percent cashless at, at, at any foreseeable point in the future for that reason i think you know it's it's a consumer right to be able to use cash to pay with cash. I think it's it's a matter of making sure that you know we're not digitally excluding people for financially excluding people for for, for that. But but increasingly we will see you know, more and more services becoming cashless. Equally, I mean, I'll give you a really good example: the local car parks in one of our local towns all went cashless. Unfortunately, that coincided with a technical issue where people were billed hundreds of pounds by accident by paying on card in the car park. You know, guess what? Everyone has, you know, very heavily uh, pushed back on the local council to be able to pay with cash. Are you only as good as your last problem in this in this world, I think? <laughs> well, what is certain is the fact that banking is changing. You mentioned deposit and withdrawal there, but that assumes, of course, there is a bank branch left where you can go and make that deposit or arrange that withdrawal. The face of the bank is not the high street branch anymore. The face of the bank is the phone. The face of the bank is the computer, mostly the phone, but the computer as well. The bank is no longer the bricks and mortar building it used to be. Best case, you know, if you look at the 
the high street banks in the UK, you know, most obviously are closing branches in numbers. Some are protecting branches for a period of time, but you know, not necessarily in the long term. One interesting statistic actually from Nationwide is that they've seen a 20% increase in ATM withdrawals in the last 12 months, which they're attributing to cost of living crisis. So again, there will be, I think, economic factors that, that, that may change some of this speed to to cashless too. Certainly interesting that they've seen that. And the view is that that's people trying to, you know, use cash to help them more robustly budget, which we know is an issue with with digital payments. And it's just too easy to keep tapping that card, isn't it? It can be. Martin Bradbury, Regional Director of Financial Services, UK and Ireland for Dynatrace. Thank you very much.